I hear, earn 20 Bitcoins, then I spent eight and a half of them on a t-shirt, and I figure, oh, cool, this all actually works. And what really struck out at me was this idea that it actually is still possible for people to come together and create an entire new financial system. And this like seemed uh, kind of very empowering to me. Hearing you talk about recreating a financial system, there's something sort of utopian about it, isn't mm. there? Get rid of all the old stuff and create something totally from scratch. No, no, it wasn't about kind of like overthrowing anything. It was more just to the idea that before kind of finance and lots of other things seemed like there were all these people way up, way up there that were just doing these things and without them, you know, there's no way any of this could happen. And here, it just made it very obvious that money is just something that a community can make for itself whenever it wants. Layer one is stuff like uh, Ethereum, the Ethereum blockchain, mm -hmm. the Bitcoin blockchain at their purest state. Mm -hmm. You know, so basically the protocols that make up what the Bitcoin blockchain is, mm -hmm. and the protocols that make up what the Ethereum blockchain is. And once you get to layer two, that's when people use those protocols to create projects for themselves. So when you say projects, you mean like DApps, or you mean? Things like hydro, yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, that they mm -hmm. use that network, right? To, but they use that, that platform to at least, to establish a network of participants on the census to create smart contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, applications, yep, yep, yep. So that's where we're at with layer two, but like crypto and blockchain language that you really need to get before you yeah. start using something like Uniswap, Coinbase, Binance, you know. Um, but once we get to layer three, and these are just developmental stages of adoption and maturity of blockchain. Once we get to layer three, we'll start, start having products where it's very simple for people to just hop on, they don't have to understand much about blockchain or what Ethereum is, but right, they know that. Work yeah, it's all back end work. Like, you know. I can't imagine it would be like after three, like four, when like, just like, like Apple dumb. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, think about it. Yeah, it's like where like people don't even know what's going on. 1970s or 1970, yeah, Bell Labs released the first Unix system, yep. right? And Apple and Microsoft built on top of that. Mm -hmm. There are people around there. That, that time, like you and I, mm -hmm. you know, experts in our respective fields mm -hmm. that understood, okay, what these guys are doing, right. like we do now with blockchain, mm -hmm. right? Uh, eventually, they got all the way, I think they're like layer 10 right now, mm -hmm. they got apps on iPhone. Right. <laughs> <But> you, you, <laughs> do you know what's going on behind the scenes there? No. Nope. <laughs> so there'll be a lot of shit that you really don't know where they're taking, they're already, it's to the point people don't, people don't realize that these apps, these phones, they record everything you do. They know every, they know more about you than you do. Yep. And they're giving you your feed, your your ads, everything is geared towards what they think you don't need in your life. Yep. There are people and that's just that's just what happening right now. <coughs> you imagine it being like ten years. Yeah. I mean those guys are gonna have kids and they're what do you think their kids are gonna be like?
hyperactive. You know, because when you have a child, it I'm going to use a blockchain term, a shard. Mm -hmm. So a shard is when you uh, create a fraction of a network, but it encompasses all of what... what yeah, the entire network. Mm -hmm. So that's what a child is. Yeah. You create a fraction of yourself, but... That tries to encompass the, it, it, the it, properties of, of you. Of you, it's a, yeah, essentially, yeah. And some children are very bright, and they take they they make you look like they they, they shard the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they shard the shit out of you. Um, and you know these shards. It it really for blockchain. I think that like uh, it, 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 you know I I don't want to get off topic, but Ethereum 2.0 has a lot to do with sharded. Uh, because it's going to make shards out of everything that we know contemporary right now in blockchain. Mm -hmm. You know, and just create a whole worldwide system where we can access every blockchain mm -hmm. using the Ethereum token. So, Ethereum 2.0 going from ERC20, is that essentially, my understanding of it is that 2.0 is essentially just a sped up version of ERC20, mm -hmm. the network, and it allows someone to take a shard or a portion of it and expand upon its uh, and expand upon its properties. Now is there that's like a high level explanation of it. Is there something deeper that mm -hmm. the common person would need to know to understand it? Um so one thing that's different from Ethereum one point mm -hmm. so two point that the common person should understand. Two point allows the common person to be a guardian sort of like a guardian. Mm -hmm. If you deposit 32 ERC-20 tokens, 32 Ethereum worth of ERC-20 tokens, mm -hmm. and become a validator for Ethereum 2.0, you now guard the network's integrity. You protect the network's integrity uh, with those 32 tokens. And you get paid rewards for protecting the network's integrity. So somebody can make money by... Passive income. Right. If you stake thirty two worth of Ethereum twenty, which at this point is it's a lot of money. Right. Uh, it was it was like three grand four months ago. Now it's probably like eight or nine grand. <laughs> it's like nine grand. Oh no! Oh wait, wait, wait! It's more expensive. If Ethereum was like three hundred bucks right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm thinking here. Sorry. Yeah, that's like you know, thirty. That's like thirty k. Thirty grand. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at at least about like thirty two, thirty three grand. Yeah. To make it happen. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So, if someone does that, what's the return looking like over time? Or, the, or so, is it like the more that you stay past that, that minimum partial of 32, that you get more of the stakes similar to having... You, you, you can only stake 32 okay. at a time for one node. Okay. And there's an unlimited amount of nodes that... Uh, well, no, there's a limit. Sorry about that. There's a limited amount of nodes um, that are going to be required to maintain the integrity and the state of the network. So it's on a first-come, first-served basis, okay. you see. So um, the estimates for the first people who stake, they're already developing their stake right now on the testnet. They call it a testnet. Because once things are testing and hackers are testing how to hack it, the the uh, checking all the bugs and fixing all that shit, uh, it's still on the test net. Mm -hmm. uh, and before it, you know, after they do go through all the testing, they move it to mainnet. Mm 
So right now, there are a lot of developers that are staked on the testnet level. I'm staked now. Mm -hmm. I have about 1,000 Ethereum staked. Okay. Um, I thought your max was 32. I, I have different notes. Different, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 1,000 something. Mm -hmm. um, so, and right now, those are just to test the network to see how it can run on, on a global scale. And it's been going pretty well. August 4th, uh, we're going to, the Ethereum community is going to be done completely with all the testing and the network is going to be ready to launch. It'll be active. It won't be live. Yeah. No, well, it won't be live, but it'll be ready to launch. Okay. Like, ready. So, who decides when that actually launches? And then, uh, what does that launch look like? Is it just like an announcement? Like, hey, so, now going? The Ethereum network works like this. It's a conglomeration of code that was written to write itself. Okay. Uh, so this is a bit off track, but right now where we are in programming, computers write code better than humans. Right. And no questions asked. But humans write that code that allow computers to write, the, yeah, to write AI. AI. Yeah, so, but you really need exceptional programmers to do that. Right. And there are very few of those in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of those happen to create Ethereum. Uh, you know, and it's a conglomeration of code that pretty much writes itself, and you can send updates to it to make the network more efficient. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah, but you can never shut it down. Yeah, or like turn everybody's stuff off or do I something. See. So, like with Ethereum, how it runs now, that state of Ethereum will run forever. Mm. There's nothing they can do to shut it down, so they have to create. They have to make that a shard of Ethereum 2.0. You see, this version of Ethereum right now is going to be a shard of Ethereum 2.0. Oh snap! Yeah, I get it now. Mm -hmm. Ethereum 2.0 uh, 2 essentially, when you compare that to Ethereum 1.0, the difference is Ethereum 2.0 scales Ethereum 1.0. The issues with Ethereum oh, 1.0 that was a problem with my yeah. application with scalability. Scalability. Part of the trilemma. Yeah, the trilemma. Right. Yeah. Okay. Ah, making sense now. So I guess now that you understand that piece, okay, Ethereum 2.0 is, is, is a scalability solution. It's being tested now to see if it's scalable. Great. But if I just now understand what blockchain is on a basic level, decentralized ledger, able to have a network, gain the consensus, it's immutable, great. You know, I can do multiple things with the application. How does that relate to Ethereum 2.0 or even 1.0? Is it, is this a... Everything that you just said are features of Ethereum 1.0. Okay. That was introduced by Ethereum 1.0. Ethereum 2.0 is going to allow all of those features to be done on a global scale. Right. So then how do you, what about Hyperledger? Hyperledger Fabric, Hyper, like the Hyperledger community that like serves companies like IBM, Oracle, etc. Are right. they, it's Hyperledger. So those platforms are built off of Ethereum 1.0. Hyperledger is built off of 1.0. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, what's different from Hyperledger and, so Hyperledger, you can compare it to Ethereum 2.0 in the same sense. They're like upgrades to okay. Ethereum 1.0. They're just called different things. Yeah, they're just called different things. Created by different types of Yeah, yeah Hyperledger is private. Gotcha. Ethereum 2.0 will be public. 
Is it private? Because you can just go on there and you can go on their site and use fabric or whatever their things are called. There, it, it's for like there well, there's some things are private. Nothing's yeah, yeah, open. Yeah, that's true. Because IBM uses fabric and a couple other different right. protocols that they have. Yeah, and all those transactions are private. You can't like go and look yeah, at you it. can't at all. Yeah. That that's the kicker right there. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that's what Hyperledger does for those companies. Privacy. Privacy. Ethereum 2.0 is public. But scalable. But scalable. Hmm. Hyperledger, Hyperledger is also scalable, but private. <laughs> <laughs> but it all follows the yeah. the trend of 2.0 and 1.0. 1.0 yeah. and then 2.0 to solve it. It follows that trend of that trilemma issue. Right. Of privacy, decentralization, and scalability. scalability. Hyperledger solved the issue of scalability and um, privacy. privacy but they didn't solve the issue of decentralization. You see, Ethereum 2.0 solves the issue of uh, decentralization and scalability. and scalability, but not privacy. Not so much privacy, but okay, but can't you build on top of that? You can build, pri yeah. There's privacy right. that's built on top of that. Okay. So I don't. So when I say not so much privacy, that's why I say not so much. Right. Because it depends. Yeah. Because it really depends. It. Yeah. Because if I don't give you my address, you're not gonna know that it's me. Right. Even if you see it on a public ledger, mm -hmm. you're not, not you're not gonna know that it's me. Right. <laughs> just to tell you that it's me, or yeah. there's some there's some type of application that's used on top of that ledger where you take those addresses and then you assign them identities to be given to whoever else is sending you that cash or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Like I can change my address to boxman.eth. Mm. Who the hell is that? <laughs> you're just gonna know it's boxman. Right. Right. Yeah. You're gonna show up on the public ledger as boxman, but on a mm -hmm. hyperledger, you don't even see that. That's the difference. So, is there a way to, to explain how Ethereum 2.0 does solve the scalability issue without getting too technical? You can really you can simplify it in this way because um, so right now there are lots of miners. Mm. There, are, Ethereum 1.0 runs off of miners. Right. People have to mine mm -hmm. Ethereum in order for a transaction to process. Right. In Ethereum 2.0, that's simplified. You see, right now for a miner to mine Ethereum, you need all this hardware and, energy. On, and that software. To, to do that, mm -hmm. Ethereum 2.0 is just in software, straight software. Well, so, yeah, yeah, and that software comes from staking. Mm -hmm. You stake your, you stake 32 Ethereum's. Boom, that's enough for that's enough to process one ah. million, like, enough, <laughs> like, like five thousand transactions. So instead of the previous way of quote unquote staking computer power, yeah. if you will, I wouldn't yeah. call it staking. Hash using power. hash power. Yeah, hash power. Yeah. Now we're now we have a sense. Okay, well, if we have enough, I don't want to say money because someone's. If we have enough, um, what would you call those tokens? Is it? Would you just say enough money? Value. Yeah, value, like the value on the network. Currency. Whatever you want to call. Yeah, it. currency on the valid validated currency on the value. Okay. Uh, on, on the network. Valid validated currency on the network. Okay. Because it can it can't be anything but ETH. You know, you're gotcha. not gonna put Bitcoin on there and do it. Right. Right. But you you spoke you you said something there that was a little like that kind of leads me to my next thing mm -hmm. that you probably already thought about like doesn't that create a security issue now? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have because you're putting all your all your bread up for as a validator. Well, can somebody just go in there like oh well you know they're well validated. no no not in that regards like the 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 network itself runs by itself. That isn't run by anyone. So, so isn't it run by proof of work? Uh, it's proof of stake now. Proof, proof of, of work is off of hash power. So right. computer computer processing power. Okay. See, 
and that's a lot more expensive to attain than, than proof of stake. Like somebody invests in thirty-two ETH. So, so real quick, proof of work in a simple term is um, having majority fifty-one percent or more agreeing on a consensus or a function. Yeah. And then proof of stake is what? Proof of work. So proof of work, one thing's missing from there, uh, a majority of people using like hash power. Mm -hmm. Like so the the difference of, of proof of stake and proof of work is just that proof of work uses like computer hash power. Mm -hmm. whereas proof of stake you just have to put a, a certain value. Okay. Like a monetary value. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's more expensive to buy computers that can produce the, the, hash, the, power. the, the hash power needed to hack the Ethereum blockchain than it is for somebody to spend the amount of money needed to hack the Ethereum blockchain. So wouldn't proof of stake be less secure then? It is less secure, but one upside with proof of stake is you have to then, uh, the Ethereum price has to go up. I'm not following that. It, it, it gives an incentive for the Ethereum price to go up. Because so, so that it's harder for so someone that it's to harder have enough yeah. stake to actually hack the network. Now, who decides what the minimum amount of stake is? Is that based on how many validators there are? Uh, yes and no, but it's just it's, it's decided by like the group of programmers that you know they, they that made that that made the. So I guess it's so this. So it's still controlled, if you will, by a central entity. Not really. Like the upgrade is pushed by the central entity, and like you can use it or you can use Ethereum 1.0. It gives you a decision. That's the difference. And they both use different types of proof boards, proof methods, or proofing methods, or yeah. whatever you're comfortable with, or whatever you think is more secure for your application or your platform. Right. Uh, I, I the difference is really minimal. Right, but couldn't one argue that that would make because you still need a lot of bread. You would need so like, if you have a million validators oh, each yeah. putting in thirty two ETH, that person would so like, yeah, if you have that money in dollars, you would then have to buy Ethereum worth of that money to then hack the network. Now Ethereum is not a finite thing. There's it's, 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 it's infinite. Yeah, infinite. Yeah, because like you can. You can do things in a network that prints you more, which the gap does. We'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's it's not it's it's, e it's definitely easier to hack than like a proof of work, mm. but it's still hard. I'm like, like you would it would need to be somebody that has a lot of Ethereum already, and mm. you can find that person easy because it's on a public blockchain. Who has the most ETH? <laughs> but, but you won't know who they are. You just see yeah, you won't know who they are. You know the address it came from. But the thing is, like at this point, most people know the top 10 ETH addresses, like who they are. Like just in a, they're in a group chat or something like or that. Or there's some type of network of yeah, people who yeah, know. Yeah. And then who, I guess, what would be the advantage of somebody going in and saying, hey, I'm about to hack the network and steal or whatever the case may be? The advantage of them would just be to get more money? Legally, I really don't know. So maybe so Ethereum gets really high and it's very valuable, and somebody that's ten times that amount of money is like, oh, I'm gonna hack this now, 
at least five times out of my mind you lie you carry him but when you do that it makes me think a lot more so then you get richer but you just all so now you used up five, half of your theorem to get possibly three or four times what you had yeah. which ends up being like 1.5 times of what you had so there's really no great value in hacking it it's, yeah it's really and like it takes a lot to do so yeah yeah which it's, makes it probably a low percent of people who can hack it on top of that who would because of the price or yeah. because of the the only people that are capable of hacking it for something that they can gain is someone that has a lot of Ethereum already yeah. it's like okay I just want more now so I'm just gonna go take all of this shit now <laughs> you do that that makes putting the price up but that won't do anything for you in terms of no, using it, Ethereum yeah, yeah if you have all the and nobody has it then where's the value who are you exchanging it? So with? like, yeah. like people on the net, like the thing about it, like the people who created it are smart people. So they thought about like, it. Yeah. They're little dumb dumbs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, it's like very sharp people created this. Uh, so pro- that's why computers thrive and tech companies thrive because mm-hmm. there are sharp people behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's not driven by like somebody who made. Like, like the look at the founder of Coca Cola founder of Disney, mm-hmm. ESPN, these guys are smart. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is smart. Mm-hmm. Elon he Musk is. is smart. He went to Stanford, dropped out. <laughs> you know, Bill Gates is smart. He went to Harvard, dropped out. It's, just, it's like guys who run tech companies think above average. Mm-hmm. And if you look, if you take tech companies and you take companies from other, other industries, you extract the CEOs from these companies and you see their background, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? They're very different backgrounds. Yeah. Much more challenging ones versus some that are quite the breeze. Yeah. Tech companies are going to end up rolling around. I think they already do. They really do. There are, there are a lot of tech companies right now which are, are more powerful than you 90% think. of the world's governments. Yeah. Kind of like Google. Like, they have everybody's info. And everybody's History, history of everything. Usage, everybody's. Like, you wouldn't shut something like that down as a government agency. Wouldn't make sense. Because how are you gonna replace it? Yeah, they make. I know Google. When I worked in R and D, they make like seven billion dollars a year from CIA and FBI feeding them data. <laughs> I was just when I was looking, at it, I was like, wow, like that's why I started on blood. I was just like, wow, like why am I not on the Right. It kind of gives you no hope for like the common person to be able to get out of the quote unquote rat race. It's like, unless you build a tech company, even if you build a normal company in retail or fashion or whatever, like that's great, you make your moons or whatever. But if you really want to hold stores of value and hold things that will kind of last the test of time, you have to be kind of listed. You have to include tech in whatever you're doing. Right. In the 20th century, the race was oil. In the 21st century, the race is data. Google is leading. If you want to start your little tech company, you're going to end up having to get data. And they're going to just buy you. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have a very specific niche. Mm -hmm. You know, blockchain, hard block. Google can't buy that yet. Could they possibly buy it in the future? I don't think they would have any interest in buying it. There's no point. Because they dominate world data, mm. and the data that blockchain uses, Google already knows. It just ends at block at the end of blockchain.
all they have to do is like oh. buy this little blockchain company, oh. buy this one, oh. now I have all their data. <laughs> it's a t for them. It's it's like uh, it's like I want to see these. It's like a little brother thing. I want to see, wanna see how they do in the yeah, house, see which ones I can buy yeah, so yeah, increase yeah. my bottom line and yeah. repeat the process. They're, they're shopping. They're like, they're, 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 you know, they're like, mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're, you're trash, you're trash, you're good. Let's have yeah. a conversation. Yeah, they have a you know, notebook of companies they're interested in. They're striking deals here and there on the background. But, you know, eventually, it's, it's, a, data, it's a race for data, man. So you think every single company right now no matter what you're in should be looking at how to incorporate data into their business structure as well as blockchain no first of all like you have to understand what data is like what it is like like fundamentally like information about people that's everybody has that for the business in every business that's what sells products yeah but if you have like access to what where people go all the time what they do all the time mm -hmm. why they do it what they're searching that's worth a lot of money. Yeah, that's worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. and people get a lot of products around that. Uh, well, yeah, and blockchain really is just, I look at blockchain as just like another, it's like an extension of technology, uh, taking the data away from what payments are now and what the, uh, the contemporary financial structure is now. Mm -hmm. Blockchain. Now all that data is migrated to blockchain. It's still, it's still safe.